Chapter Eight of Christmas A Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Christmas A Story by Zona Gale. Chapter Eight. "'If we took the day before Christmas and had it for Christmas,' observed Tab Winslow, "'would that hurt?' "'Eat your oatmeal,' said Miss Winslow, in the immemorial manner of adults. "'Would it, would it, would it?' persisted Tab, in the immemorial manner of youth. "'And have Theophilus Thistledown for dinner that day instead?' Miss Winslow suggested with diplomacy. On which Tab ate his oatmeal in silence." But, like adults immemorially, Miss Winslow bore far more the adult manner than its heart. After breakfast she stood staring out the pantry window at the sparrows on the bird-box. It looks like Mary Chava was going to be the only one in Trailtown to have any Christmas after all, she thought, that little boy coming to her so. He was coming week after next, Mary had said, and Miss Winslow had heard no word about it from anybody else. When the biggest work of the forenoon was finished, Miss Winslow ran down the road to Ellen Bourne's. In Old Trail Town they always speak of it as running down or in or over in the morning, with an unconscious suiting of terms to informalities. Ellen was cleaning her silver. She had six of each— six knives, six forks, six spoons, all plated and seldom used, pewter with black handles serving for every day. The silver was cleaned often, though it was never on the table save for company, and there never had been any company since Ellen had lost her little boy from fever. Having no articulateness and having no other outlet for emotion, she fed her grief by small abstentions, no guests, no diversions, no snatches of song about her work. Yet she was sane enough and normal, only in dearth of sane and normal outlets for emotion, for energy, for personality, she had taken these strange directions for yet unharnessed forces. Mercy, observed Miss Winslow, warming her hands at the cooking stove, you got more energy. Then family, I guess you mean, Ellen Bourne finished. Ellen was little and fair, with slightly drooping head and eyebrows curved to a childlike reflectiveness. Well, I got considerable more family than I got energy, said Miss Winslow, so I guess we even it up. Seven under fifteen eats up energy like so much air. "'Hey, king and country,' said Ellen's old father, whittling by the fire. "'You got family enough, Ellen. You got your hands full of us.' He rubbed his hands through his thin upstanding silver hair on his little pink head, and his fine pink face took on the look of father, which rarely intruded now on his settled look of old man. "'I don't know what she'd do,' said Ellen's mother, "'with any more around here to pick up after.' We're cluttered up enough as it is. She was an old lady of whose outlines you took notice before your attention lay further upon her. Angled waist, chin, lips, forehead, put on her a succession of zigzags. But her eyes were awake, 
and it was to be seen that she did not mean what she said, and that she was looking anxiously at Ellen in the hope of having deceived her daughter. Ellen smiled at her brightly, and was not deceived. "'I keep pretty busy,' she said. Miss Abby Winslow, who was not deceived either, hastened to the subject of Mary. "'I should think Mary Chava had enough to do, too,' she said, "'but she's going to take Lily's little boy. Had you heard?' "'No,' said Ellen, and stopped shaving silver polish. "'He's coming in two weeks,' Miss Winslow imparted. "'She told me so herself.' She's got his room fixed up with owls on the wallpaper. She's bought him a washbasin with a rim of puppies and a red stocking cap. I saw her. How old is he? Ellen asked, and worked again. I never thought to ask her, Miss Winslow confessed. He must be quite a little fellow. But he's coming alone from some place out west. "'Hey, king and country,' Ellen's father said, "'I'd hate to have a boy come here with my head the way it is.' "'And keeping the house all upset,' Ellen's mother said, "'and asked Miss Winslow some question about Mary. "'And when she turned to Ellen again, "'Why, Ellen Bourne,' she said, "'you've shaved up every bit of that cleaning polish, "'and we're most done cleaning.' "'Ellen was looking at Miss Winslow.' "'If you see her,' Ellen said, "'you ask her if I can't do anything to help.' Later in the day, happening in at Miss Mortimer Bates's, Miss Winslow found Miss Moran there before her, and asked what they had heard about Mary Chava. "'Something in that word about pricks curiosity its sharpest. "'Have you heard about Mary Chava? "'It's too bad about Mary Chava.' Isn't it queer about Mary Chava? Each of these is like setting flame to an edge of tissue. Omit about from the language, and you abate most gossip. At Miss Winslow's phrase, both women's eyebrows curved to another arc. Miss Winslow told them. Ain't that nice, said Miss Moran wholeheartedly. I couldn't bring up another, not with my back, but I'm glad Mary's going to know what it is. Miss Mortimer Bates was glad, too, but being by nature a nonconformist, she took exception. "'It's an awful undertaking for a single-handed woman,' she observed. But this sort of thing she said almost unconsciously, and the other two women regarded it with no more alarm than any other reflex. "'It's no worse starting single-handed than being left single-handed,' offered Miss Winslow somewhat ambiguously." "'Lots does that's thrifty.' "'Seems as if we could do a little something to help her get ready, seems though,' Miss Moran suggested. "'I don't know what.' "'I thought I'd slip over after supper and ask her,' Miss Winslow said. "'Maybe I'd best go now and come back and tell you what she says.' Miss Winslow found Mary Chava sitting by her pattern bookcase, cutting out a pattern. Mary's face was flushed and her eyes were bright, and she went on with her pattern, thrilled by it as by any other creating. "'I just thought of this,' Mary explained, looking vaguely at her visitor. "'It come to me like a flash when I was working on Miss Bates's bask. Will you wait just a minute and then I'll explain it out to you?' Without invitation, Miss Winslow laid aside her coat and waited, watching Mary curiously. 
She was cutting and folding and pinning her tissue paper, oblivious of any presence. Alarm, suspense, doubt, solution, triumph came and went, and neither woman was conscious that the flame of creation burned and breathed in the room as truly as if the product were to be acknowledged. There, Mary cried at last, see it, can't you see it, in grey wool? It was the pattern for a boy's topcoat, cunningly cut in new lines of seam and revers, with a pocket, a bit of braid, a line of buttons laid in as delicately as the factors in any other good composition. Miss Winslow inevitably recognized its utility, exclaimed, and wondered. "'Mary Chava, how did you know how to do things for children?' "'How did you know how?' Mary inquired coolly. "'Why, I've had em, Miss Winslow offered simply. "'Do you honestly think that makes any difference?' Mary asked. Miss Winslow gasped in the immemorial belief that the physical basis of motherhood is the guarantee of both spiritual and physical equipment.' "'Could you have cut out that coat?' Mary asked. Miss Winslow shook her head. She was of those whose genius is for cutting over. "'Well,' said Mary, "'I could. It ain't having em that teaches you to do for em. You either know how or you don't know how. That's all.' Miss Winslow reflected that she could never make Mary understand, though any mother, she thought complacently, would know in a minute.' The cutting of the coat did give her pause, but then she summed it up, coat included. Mary was queer, and let it go at that. "'I didn't know,' Miss Winslow said then, "'but what I could help you some about the little boy's coming. Seven under fifteen does teach you something you've got to allow. Maybe I could tell you something now and then. Or if we could do anything to help you get ready for him.' "'Oh,' said Mary, in swift penitence, "'thank you, Miss Winslow. "'After he comes, maybe. "'But these things now I don't mind doing. "'The real nuisance'll come afterwards, I suppose.' "'Miss Winslow smiled in soft triumph. "'Nuisance,' she said. "'That's what I meant comes to you by having em. "'You don't think so much of the nuisance part "'as you did before.' "'Then you don't look the thing in the face,' "'said Mary calmly.' "'That's all about that.' "'Well,' Miss Winslow said pacifically, "'when's he coming?' "'A week from Tuesday, a week from tomorrow,' Mary told her. Miss Winslow looked at her intently, with the light of calculation in her narrowed eyes. "'A week from Tuesday,' she said. "'A week from Tuesday,' she repeated. "'A week from Tuesday!' she exclaimed. "'Why, Mary Chava, that's Christmas Eve!' It was some matter of recipes that was absorbing Miss Bates and Miss Moran when Miss Winslow breathlessly returned to them. They were deep in tradition, and in method its buttonhole relation. During the weary period when nutrition has been one of the two great problems, the tremendous impulse that had nourished the world was alive in the faces of the two women, a kind of creative fire such as had burned in Mary at the cutting of her pattern. Asparagus escalloped with toast-crumbs and butter was for the moment symbol of all humanity's will to keep alive. 
"'Ladies,' said Miss Winslow, with no other preface, "'what do you think? Mary Chava's little boy is coming from Idaho with a tag on, "'and when do you suppose he's going to get here? Christmas Eve!' "'Christmas Eve,' repeated Miss Bates, "'whose mind never lightly forsook old ways or embraced a contretemps. "'What a funny time to travel!' "'Likely catch the croup and be down sick on Mary's hands the first thing,' said Miss Moran. "'It's a pity it ain't the spring of the year.' Miss Winslow looked at them searchingly to see if her thought too far outdistanced theirs. "'What struck me all of a heap,' she said, "'is his getting here then, that night, Christmas Eve.' The three women looked at one another. "'That's so,' Miss Moran said. "'Him, that child,' Miss Winslow put it, "'getting here Christmas Eve, used to Christmas all his life, ten to one knowing in his head what he hopes he'll get, and no Christmas, and him with no mother, and her only a month or so dead.' "'Well,' said Miss Mortimer Bates, "'it's too bad it's happened so, but it has happened so. "'You have to say that to your life quite often, I notice.' I don't know anything to do but to say it now. Miss Winslow had not taken off her cloak. She sat on the edge of her chair, with her hands deep in its pockets, her black-knit fascinator fallen back from her hair. She was looking down at her cloth overshoes, and she went on speaking as if she had hardly heard what Miss Bates had interposed. "'He'll get in on the express,' she said. Mary said so. She don't have to go to the city to meet him. The man he travels with is going to put him on the train in the city. The little fellow will get here after dark, after dark on Christmas Eve. And no time for anybody to warn him that there won't be any Christmas waiting for him, Miss Moran observed thoughtfully. And like enough he'll bring a little something for Mary for a present, Miss Winslow went on. How'll she feel then? "'Ain't it too bad it ain't last year?' Miss Moran mourned. "'Everything comes too late or too soon, or not at all, or else too much so, seems, though.' Miss Bates's impulse to nonconformity had not prevented her forehead from being drawn in their common sympathy, but it was a sympathy that saw no practical way out, and existed tamely as a high window, and not as a wide door. "'Well,' she said, "'Mary ain't exactly the one to see it so. "'You'll never get her to feel bad about anybody not having a Christmas. "'I don't know if it was any other year as she'd be planning any different.' "'No,' said Miss Winslow thoughtfully. "'Mary won't do anything. "'But we could.' "'Miss Bates's forehead took alarm, "'the alarm of the sympathetic hearer who is challenged to be doer. "'Do?' she repeated. "'You can't go back on the paper at this late day, "'and you can't give him a Christmas "'and every other of our children not have any "'just because we're their parents and still living. "'There ain't a thing to do.' "'Miss Winslow's eyes were still on her overshoes. "'I don't believe there's never not a thing to do,' she said. "'I don't believe it.' "'Miss Bates looked scandalized.' "'That's nonsense,' she said sharply, "'and it's sacrilegious besides. "'When God means a thing to happen, there's not a thing to do. "'What about earthquakes and—and and cancers?' 
"'I don't believe he ever means earthquakes and cancers,' said Miss Winslow to her overshoes. "'Prevent him, then,' challenged Miss Bates triumphantly. Miss Winslow looked up. Her eyes were shining as they had shone sometimes when one of her seven under fifteen had given its first sign of consciousness of more than self. "'I believe we'll do it some day,' she said. "'I believe there's more to us than we've got any idea of. "'I believe there's so much to us "'that one of us that found out about it and told the rest "'would get hounded out of town. "'But even now I bet there's enough to us "'to do something every time, "'something every time, no matter what. "'And I believe there's something we can do "'about this little orphaned boy's Christmas "'if we nip our brains on to it in the right place.' "'Oh, dear,' said Miss Moran, "'sometimes when I think about Christmas "'I almost wish we almost hadn't done the way we're going to do.' "'Miss Bates stiffened. "'Jane Moran,' she said, "'do you think it's right to go head over heels in debt "'to celebrate the birth of our Lord?' "'No,' said Miss Moran, "'I don't, but—' "'And you know nobody in Old Trail Town "'could afford any extravagance this year?' "'Yes,' said Miss Moran, "'I do, still—' "'And if part could and part couldn't, that makes it all the worse, don't it?' "'I know,' said Miss Moran. "'I know.' "'Well, then,' said Miss Bates triumphantly, "'we've done the only way there is to do. "'Land knows I wish there was another way, but there ain't.' Miss Winslow looked up from her overshoes. "'I don't believe there's never no other way,' she said. "'There's always another way.' "'Not without money,' said Miss Bates. "'Money,' Miss Winslow said. "'Money. "'That's like setting up one day of peace on earth goodwill to men "'and asking admission to it.' "'Miss Winslow,' said Miss Moran sadly, "'what's the use of saying anything? "'You know as well as I do that Christmas is abused all up and down the land "'and made a day of expense and extravagance "'and folks overspending themselves.' "'and we've stopped all that in Old Trail Town, "'and now you're trying to make us feel bad.' "'I ain't,' said Miss Winslow. "'We felt bad about it already, and you know it. "'I'm glad we've stopped all that, "'but I wished we had something to put in its place. "'I wished we had.' "'What in time are them children doing?' said Miss Moran abruptly. "'The three women looked.' On the side lawn, where a spreading balsam had been left untrimmed to the ground, stood little Emily Moran and Gussie and Bennett and Tab and Pep, and the four boys had their caps in their hands, and Gussie, having untied her own hood, turned to take off little Emily's. The wind, sweeping sharply round the corner of the house, blew their hair wildly and caught at muffler ends. Miss Bates and Miss Moran with one impulse ran to the side door, and Miss Winslow followed. "'Emily,' said Miss Moran, "'put on your hood this minute.' "'Gussie,' said Miss Bates, "'put on your cap this instant second. What you got it off for? And little Emily doing as you do. I'm surprised at you.' The children consulted briefly, then Pep turned to the two women, by now coming down the path, Miss Bates with her apron over her head, Miss Moran in her shawl. "'Please,' said Pep, "'it's a funeral, and we thought we'd ought to take our caps off till it gets under.' "'A funeral?' said Miss Bates. "'Who are you burying?' 
"'It's just a rehearsal funeral,' Pep explained. "'The real one's going to be Christmas.' By now the two women were restoring hood and stocking cap to the little girls, and it was Miss Winslow who had followed who spoke to Pep. "'Who's dead, Pep?' she asked. Between the belief of who's dead and the skepticism of who you burying, the child was swift to distinguish. "'Sandy Claus,' he answered readily. Miss Winslow stood looking down at him. Pep stepped nearer. "'We're doing it for little Emily,' he said confidentially. "'She couldn't get it straight about where Sandy Claus would be this Christmas. "'The rest of us knew, but Emily's little, "'so we thought we'd play bury him on her count.' "'Miss Bates, who had not heard, turned from Gussie. "'Going to do what on Christmas?' she exclaimed. "'You ain't to do a thing on Christmas, or ain't you grown up after all?' "'Well, we thought a Christmas funeral wouldn't hurt,' interposed Bennett defensively. "'Can't we even have a funeral for fun on Christmas?' he ended, aggrieved. "'It's Sandy Claus's funeral,' observed little Emily, putting a curl from her face. "'We're going to dress up a Sandy Claus, you know,' Pep added, sotto voce. "'It's going to be right after breakfast Christmas.' "'Come on, come ahead, fellows,' said Bennett. "'I'll be corpse. Keep your lids on. I don't mind. Go ahead. Sing.' Already Miss Winslow was walking back to the house. The two other women overtook her, and from the porch they heard the children begin to sing. "'Go bury St. Nicholas.' The rest was lost in the closing of the door. Back in the sitting-room the women stood looking at one another. Miss Bates was frowning, and all Miss Moran's expressions were on the verge of dissolving. But in Miss Winslow's face it was as though she had found some new way of consciousness. "'Ladies,' Miss Winslow said, "'them children are out there pretending to bury Santa Claus, and so are we. And I bet we can't any of us do it.' In the room there was a moment of silence in which familiar things seemed to join with their way of saying, "'We've been keeping still all the while.' Then Miss Winslow pushed her hair, regardless of its parting, straight back from her forehead, a gesture with which she characterized any moment of stress. "'Ladies,' she said, "'I don't want we should go back on our paper either, but maybe there's more to Christmas than it knows about.' or than we know about. Maybe we can do something that won't interfere with the paper we've all signed, and yet that'll be something that is something. Maybe they's things to use that ain't never been used yet. Oh, I don't know. Nor I guess you don't know. But let's us find out. End of chapter 8